So this week, I wanted to, uh, it was the end of our series last week, I wanted to talk about, as we're going through a period of transition and change, I really wanted to talk about what the Bible says about how we deal with that. How do we cope with change well? How do we cope with the whole transition process that uh, is involved in that? How do we do it well and come out stronger on the other side? Who likes change? Good, some of you, that's a start. Hopefully there'll be more hands at the end. (laughs) So, uh, as most of you know, Lorraine and I and family are moving up to Lincoln in May. May the 19th is our last Sunday. And of course, that's a big change for us. It's a big change for you guys here. And that change can be unsettling. It can be uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen. But we have to trust God, don't we? Because if we're making a change thinking, I've got to get everything organized before I jump, guess what? You'll never jump. You'll never move. Now, as it stands, we are, that's our last Sunday. Lorraine still hasn't got a new job. We still haven't got a school for Rachel. We still haven't got a house to live in. And I've got a little gap in my income to make up before we go. And it's less than three months. How would you cope with that? And we've actually made the decision to go because we know that's right. I want to use a story in the Bible to show how we cope with all that change and all that uncertainty and how we keep trusting in God. So, have a little think about how you're dealing with the change here in church, how you've dealt with change in your own life, changing schools, head teachers change now and again, uh, Family situations change, work situations. How have you coped with those changes? Would you like to have dealt with them better? Would you like to have gone through the whole process in a better way? Because God is in the journey, isn't he? It's not necessarily so much about the destination, but enjoying even a difficult journey. We've got to meet God there. He's right there, isn't he? And he wants to meet us right in the middle of it. So the story I want to use is when the Israelites came out of Egypt. And uh, for those that don't know the story, they had been there for 430 years to the day. And it was pretty much captivity in Egypt. They were oppressed by Pharaoh, and they wanted to leave. And God had a plan for them. So I'm going to need some helpers. I would be grateful if it was people under 18 So uh, you don't have to say anything, but you're going to have to do something. So as I go through this, okay, just put your hand up who wants to do it. I need somebody to sit here holding this. And every time I mention, there you go, come on, Eve, hand up. Every time I mention, go and grab a seat there. Every time I mention the rod of Moses or the rod of God or the staff, you've got to jump up and throw it in the air. Okay, not literally throw it, but, you know, keep hold of it, jump up and go, yes, or something like that. (laughs) And watch you don't hit Lorraine, okay? (laughs) Okay, so I need somebody to make some notes for me. We have, come on, Sienna, if you guys want to do this, you need to be quicker. So grab one of these pens, and I will talk you through. We've already listed them. It's a 10-point sermon, but they're really quick. 
I hope you want your lunch today. So um, grab a pen, see what works. And as I go through, Sienna will write down the points, but not yet. So I also need three other people. Poppy, isn't it? Poppy, you don't need to come up yet. I'll get you to come up in a bit. But Polly, Polly, if somebody could help me with these chairs, I need these three chairs brought over here. Benedict's got his hand up. Do I have another one? You don't need to say anything. Do I have one more that will come? Lydia, did you put your hand up there? No? Oh, no, that was your mum. All right, okay. <laughs> okay, I need one more young person who's going to come. You don't need to come and sit yet. Or I'm going to have to pick someone. Who wants to come? And <laughs> Okay, seeing as the young people, any, any adults that would like to do it. Who's going to come and help me out? I need one more person, otherwise the sermon's going to... Yes, Mark, you can come. All right, so we've got Mark, we've got Polly, and who's the other one? Benedict, right. Right. <laughs> the cast is ready. Shall we go? Thank you, Lord. So, I think in this story there are, there are 10 points <laughs> that I'm going to pull out that are going to teach us how we better and more, in a more godly way deal with change and transition. So, number one, God spoke. You can write that down. God spoke. Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, if you want to look up in your Bibles, Exodus chapter 3. Why don't you do that now? Bibles or your devices. Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to take a whistle-stop tour through Exodus and see what God says. And at some stage, we're going to be mentioning the rod of Moses. At some stage, we're going to be mentioning... <laughs> I was just testing, just testing. Yeah, that rod of Moses, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> okay, God spoke. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Everybody got it? Yeah. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law. There, the angel of the Lord, the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile, spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land. And then in verse 10, you must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. So God had an experience with, or Moses had an experience with God, and he spoke to him. He said, I want you to do this. You need to move. Now, the nearest thing I had was uh, New Year's Eve, just gone, um, We'd been praying and uh, seeking God about our future and where he wanted us to be. And it was all pretty foggy. And uh, we'd been up to Scunthorpe and Lincoln and just didn't hear anything. And we weren't quite sure what to do. But we knew God was saying something. So New Year's Eve, I, uh, I went out to Blakeney Point, which is my favorite prayer day place. 
And I'd been praying all day, hadn't heard anything. And then on the way back, I was really frustrated. Have you ever spent a long time praying about something and it's just even foggier? Anyone been there? And you, oh. So I stood by the sea. I went, Lord, would you just tell me what to do? Please. Would you just, look, I've been praying all day. Come on, I've given up a whole day. Please, just tell me. What am I supposed to do? And then he said, I need you to prepare to leave Norfolk. And it was like somebody had said it to my face. It was that clear. And that's the clearest thing we had. That was my burning bush moment when God says, I need you to prepare to leave. And everything followed after that. So I was uh, walking along a bit further and I, I said, oh Lord, is that really what you said? Was that true? Can you give me a sign? And I'd been trying to avoid the sea coming in and getting wet. And this unusually big wave came in and soaked me completely. And, um, <laughs> and I thought, Oh, wow. Is that a sign? Does that mean you're saying no? Oh, oh, gosh, what are you saying? Did I get it wrong? And he went, no, I'm telling you, you heard right. You need to prepare to leave. So, number one, God spoke. What has God spoken over you? What has he said to you? If he hasn't, spend time with him to hear his voice. Don't we all need a word, a revelation from God that drives us? So that's number one. We'll get to the rod of Moses soon. (laughs) Just checking you were awake. (laughs) Okay, number two. We must trust him. Trust him. Trust him. So in chapter 3, verse 12, God answered. Moses was questioning, uh, really God? A bit like me by the sea. Really God, me? And uh, God answered and said, I will be with you. Tell them the I am has sent me to you. So he was wavering with what God had said. And God said, you've got to trust me. So in all of this, in all any change, we have to trust him. And later on in chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. God is with us. God is with you. As we go, as you prepare to to have new leadership here and move on to the next season, we've got to trust him. And he's saying, now go and trust me every step of the way. Amen? Number three, God's promises. So in chapter 3, verse 17, It says, I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. So can you see the promise there? I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. What's our promised land? Scunthorpe. (laughs) May not look like a promised land at the moment, but it will do. (laughs) (laughs) that's where he's leading us this is where i need you to go what's your promised land here there's a new season coming that if we stayed would not come we need to go for your promised land to come that's the truth i really hope you take that on board for the promised land for a live church here in Wyndham, we need to go 
And we need to go to the promised land that, that God has promised us, the place he wants us to go. <laughs> Scunthorpe, here we come. But God gave us a promise, and that's what we hold on to. He gave the Israelites a promise. So the next point. Use what's in your hand. But Moses protested, chapter 4. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? <laughs> A shepherd's staff. Yay! Moses replied, what was the shepherd's staff? Yay! <laughs> the rod, well, or anything related. Just anything will do. What was that? What did that signify? What did he do for a living at the time? He was a shepherd. He needed his staff to be a shepherd. So that signified Moses is saying, oh, what if, what if it doesn't work? What if they don't listen to me? And God is saying, what's in your hand? You have everything you need already. You may dismiss it. You may despise it, the little thing that you have. But God said to Moses with his rod, rod, he said, take what you have. It was the most lowly of jobs, but that's all I need. You have it in your hands already. So in this whole process, we both need jobs. <laughs> we need a house. We need a school. We're not even sure where to live yet. What's in your hand? What's in my hand is a little bit of experience, but I trust God. He has taken us through many things before. I trust God. That's what's in my hand, my faith in him. We don't have much, but Lord, it's all yours. We've sold our house here. The one we're living in now, we're being kicked out of, <laughs> just in case we didn't, didn't hear. We don't have much to take with us, but it's enough for God. Can I say, you may not think what you have is enough, but everything to get to the promised land here that God has for you is enough. The enough is in the room. But it takes you to put your hand out and give it to God and say, it's not much, Lord. And God says, that's all I need. So whatever it is that you have, bring it to the table. Bring it to here. And take your shepherd's staff with you. So did you catch that? And take your shepherd's staff with you. Hey. And use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. How exciting is that? You don't need some special thing. It's already in your hands and he will use it to perform miraculous things. How amazing is that? Holy Spirit, would you just show each of us what it is that's in our hands already? Young people, older people, people like myself. What is in our hands? And if we will just give it to him as little as we think it is, he will use it miraculously. How amazing is that? You are enough. Number five. Resistance. Dun, dun, dun. Trying to wake us up today. Resistance. 
when we go through change, <laughs> there are always obstacles, aren't there? Yes? <laughs> Just checking. But when you've got your rod of Moses, <laughs> she's flagging. That's okay. There's always resistance. And I've written here, use your staff. <laughs> use what you have. Chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Then Moses went back to the Lord and protested, Why have you brought all this trouble on your people? Lord, why did you send me? Pharaoh has been even more brutal to your people. Honestly, after the, we made the decision and, and announcement, I probably had about the worst month I've ever had in my life. The pressure was enormous everywhere. Now, you can either buckle under that and start to question what you're doing, or you can be certain, well, if it's that much pressure, more pressure than I've ever had in my life, God must be in it. And that's how I saw it. So whatever pressure in this church change in your life, if you see it with his eyes, you've got something to learn in that whole process. It might not be pleasant, but he's with us every step of the way. And how did Moses combat that? He raised his staff. Many times you'll know all about the plagues, all the things that he did. He used what was in his hands to perform mighty miracles, to break through Pharaoh's resistance, to get over the obstacles and the hurdles. So use what you've got. It's all that you need. Number six, he will provide and protect. So how did God uh, provide for the people in the desert? Uh, he gave them food. He gave them water. Did they pay for it? No. Did they still complain? Yes, but he still gave them, and he gave them meat. And he gave them food every day. They didn't have to do anything for it. This whole process, if we're following God, doing things God's way, all the provision will be there. And again, Moses used his rod. <laughs> Moses used his rod <laughs> to provide for the people. He hit the rock and water came out. What you have will provide everything that you need and everything that we need. So pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea, is what God said to Moses. Pick it up and do something with it. Number seven, get a move on. All righty, get a move on. This is happening. Change happens all the time. Transition is important. There is a plan in place, but we've got to get a move on. What are you waiting on in your life? What are you not getting on with? What are you waiting for certain questions to be answered? You'll be waiting a long time. I think there's some of you here who just need to get walking and get moving. Moses had a hundred questions. Yet he moved. He did not know how he was going to do it, but he trusted in God, and he started to move anyway. When God spoke to me on the beach, 
We knew that was it. We're going to move. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who's going to do what I do. I don't know how we're going to provide for ourselves. I have not a clue, but I'm walking, and I'm starting to speak it out. What is it that's been on your heart that you haven't moved on? What is it that you're not doing? God is saying, get a move on. Number eight, God has a plan. Just put trust in his timing. Trust in his timing. All the way through Exodus, you'll see that God had a plan. It was very detailed about how he wanted things done. Be assured that there is a plan behind the scenes being worked out for transition here. But we need to trust in his timing. So if we shoot forward to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. (laughs) Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan and into the land that I am giving them. When I read this in the week, I thought, that's me. Barry, my servant, is dead. (laughs) Well, I have no intention of dying anytime soon, but I'm going somewhere else. So Barry, my servant, is going somewhere else. (laughs) There is a time scale on it. There is a plan in place, but he's leaving. My plans for the promised land that you're going into does not involve him. Or his family. Now, what struck me there was that it was only when Moses had gone that he said, Joshua, now lead these people. Can I put a word out there? At the right time, the right pastor, the right people will rise up. You will see it. Everybody will know. You've got to trust in his timing. And whatever you're going through in your life, you've got to trust in his timing and be patient. Amen? So thankfully, I'm very much alive. And the next one I'm going to tie into this, number nine, obedience. Now, many of the Israelites did not see the promised land. And their lives ended in pretty much misery. They didn't stay the course. They didn't stay obedient And they didn't trust God. And many of them did not see the promised land. We don't want that for anyone here in any area of your life. We want all of you to see what God has got coming. Because it is amazing. He has given, we've had a vision for years of what God is going to do in this place. That does not change. And you can see biblically, you can see that that does not change because Moses only saw the promised land from afar. He didn't get to walk into it. But other people led the people into it. And I just say that's exactly what's happening here. I will look, or <laughs> look on in delight from sunny Scunthorpe and watch what God is doing here with amazement. I'm so excited about what he's going to do. And can I say, please be obedient. Don't miss out like the Israelites missed out. He wants all of you involved.
It's the last one. Now, all of that is wonderful. All of that's really good advice and help. But there's one thing. If we don't get right, all of that is just pointless in a lot of ways. The one thing that we grapple with every day without realizing it, the one thing that will determine how well we walk this Christian walk, how well we deal with change and transition, there is one thing. And the better you can answer that question, the better you will do in your walk with God. And I'm going to entitle it Identity. So if you can write Identity. Answering that question, who am I? Moses, despite his flaws, knew who he was. And he knew his God, as did Joshua. The more I've looked at this, and if you've done any Freedom in Christ teaching, you will know some of this. But the more I go through life, there are three things, I think, that will determine how well I'm going to do and how well we're going to do and how we're getting on, how much we're believing what you're about to hear and how much you're taking it on board will determine the success of your Christian walk and and how you feel in here. It all comes down to identity. Ta-da! When Jesus went into the wilderness, what did the devil try to get him on? What did he try to bring him down with? It was all to do with challenging his identity and who he was. And that will be challenged all the way through your life. And the more you can get to grips with it, the better you will do. So I'm going to need my three uh, folks to come up. And I think one of them's gone. So could... uh, could you come up and sit here and come on, Mark? And I need another helper, please. Charlotte, can you come and help us? Great. All right. Just take one of those and pass it on. So what I want you to do is just show it to everybody when we get there. Okay. And just like the rod of Moses. You need to stand up and shout it with everything in you. Better enthusiasm there, yeah. <laughs> right. I think we've got to stand for this. And if I could have my uh, musicians up, or uh, that would be good. So let's stand for this. This is going to be quite important. So with all that wonderful advice we saw through the Israelites and and Moses taught us, this is where it's really at for me. And you'll see these in a second. And this is what I want you to respond to. I want you to take all this advice, which is wonderful, but I want you to be honest about where you are with your identity in Christ. Who are you? If you can't answer that question, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit helps you answer that question today. Who are you really? Who am I? So, the first one. Mark, if you could stand up. I am. Let's say that out loud. Put it up, up, tie. I am. Do you know what that means? That I am secure in him. <laughs> Look at all these things. I am free. I am loved. I am unafraid. Who's afraid in here? Who is afraid? Who is fearful? 
Well, knowing your identity, that I am secure, means that you're unafraid. You are full of grace. You are hidden with Christ. You are confident. You are anointed, and you are established. I am secure. The opposite of that is insecure, meaning you're putting your faith in something else. Now, if you struggle with that, I want you to respond to that today. You can either come up here, or you can have your own prayer time, but I want you to respond to that. These are the things will give you a foundation to deal with anything in your life. I am secure. The next one. What have we got here? I am, let's hold it nice and high, I am significant. Who feels insignificant in here? I know you might not want to put your hands up, but put it up in your heart. If you feel insignificant, I want to say that's going to change right now if you will allow God to do it in you. I am significant. you know what that means? You are chosen. You are God's workmanship. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are seated with Christ. You're the salt of the earth, spirit empowered. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? I am appointed and anointed. I am significant. You have a purpose. God gave Moses a purpose, and it sustained him, and he was faithful to that until the day he died. Who doesn't want that for their lives? If you struggle with that, I want you to respond. I go back to one of the points. It says you need to get moving, folks. And this isn't just to see a whole load of people moving from their seats, but if you can't move from your seat in here in a family environment, how are you going to do it out there? You're not going to be able to do it. Can I just encourage you to do something about these things today? And lastly, we've got, I am, I am accepted. I am united with the Lord. I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I am justified. If you hold it in the middle, are we good? I am a saint. I am redeemed. I am complete. I am adopted. I am a member of Christ's body. to do that again until somebody shows me some excitement in this place. Hallelujah. This is worth shouting for, just like the rod of Moses. Woo! Hallelujah. Can I hear some noise? I am accepted. Who doesn't want to be accepted? Who has felt not accepted in their lives? Have any of you guys that still at school just sometimes don't feel accepted? You don't feel like you fit? You feel a little bit insignificant? Can I tell you, it's all a lie from the pit of hell? This is the truth. This is the truth. You are secure. You are significant. You are accepted. That's the truth. The more you receive that truth and live it out, the bigger the smile in your face, the bigger, the deeper the joy in your heart, and the better able you will be to get through things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.